0: What is going on, everybody? This is Jamie Shaw here with the Absolute Basketball Experience. And on today's episode, we have new Notre Dame commitment, Trey Wurtz. Trey, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I appreciate it. How you been uh, navigating through this uh, quarantine, coronavirus, and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, it's been a little different, but I'm starting to find a little routine here, so it's not been too bad.
0: That's good. That's good. Finding the routine is the key in everything. It's just getting the, getting the normalcy. Um, so, y'all played in the 2017 Dicks National Championship. You know, that team had yourself, who's going to Notre Dame. It had Devon, Kansas, Grant, at the Celtics now. Uh, Josh Howard, who went to Brown, started year one. Isaac Johnson, who went to App State, started year one. When you look back on it, how good do you think that team stacks up against the very best teams in the state of North Carolina over the past 20 years?
1: I put this right up there at the top. I mean, honestly, I think um... – our chemistry was, was second to none. I think uh, we just played really free and together on the court, and nobody really cared about who scored it and, and other stuff like that. We all kind of just played. And we pretty much – it was just us five almost the entire game a lot of times. So, we kind of got a, a lot of good experience on the court, and, and it turned out pretty well. I don't think we lost a game in North Carolina that year. So, I mean, we, we were pretty good.
0: <laughs> no, it, it was unbelievable. And it, and it was kind of one of those teams, too, that was overlooked as to how good you were because there were other teams that had big-name players but y'all just kept beating everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, going into that year, I think the big the big thing was like a uh, high-point Christian just got bam and a load of like, I think they had like nine divisional players on that team. And they were kind of like the big folks on the spotlight. We kind of all, all looked at it like, why like why nobody kind of paying attention to us? And uh, we kind of took that a little personal and we ended up getting the season twice and was able to beat them two times. So that was pretty good for us.
0: Oh, uh, no doubt. That, that was a super exciting, I remember that year. Uh, kind of along the same theme, during that summer, you played with the team-loaded North Carolina team. And that team, obviously, you had Javarius Burton, who's now at Texas Tech, Jaden Garner who's killing at ECU, yourself, Notre Dame, Nate Hinton at Houston, Landers, Noly, Virginia Tech, Jalen Withers, Louisville. You know, that, that team was just loaded and stuff. Again, another team that people at the time weren't necessarily looking at. But y'all made it all the way to the Adidas gauntlet finale yeah. that year. What was kind of that experience like uh, playing with that team and those guys?
1: Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it's a little different at AAU because you don't get the, the practice the, like you would in high school or, or college and stuff like that. So we were kind of going into games just kind of learning how to play with each other at first. And I think by the time we got to July, we were kind of all kind of clicking and people were kind of kind of stepping forward into to their role on the team. And I think we all just kind of got it going down in Schwarzenberg and uh, was able to make a, a pretty deep run. Uh, we, we had a shot to win at the end of the, the championship game too. So, I mean, we were we were right there in every game.
0: Yeah, just another – just a great team looking back at it, but people that are having crazy success. Uh, so, coming out of high school, you had you had a lot of offers. Uh, App State, Murray State, you had uh, Tulane, Old Dominion, Richmond, uh, let's see, LaSalle, Cornell, Temple, Rice, and the list goes on and on. What was it about Santa Clara that kind of drew you to them out of high school?
1: Yeah, I think uh, – I mean, a lot of people ask this because I had a, a few ACC's in, in some other kind of bigger-name schools kind of back this way. And uh, for me, it kind of just—I had to look at what was the best fit. And I thought on the court at the time, I felt kind of what they were telling me and how the team looked, and kind of where I could come in and kind of kind of try to take the program to the next level. I thought it was all a really good fit and challenge for myself at the time. And uh, I think in my two years, I, I did a pretty good, pretty good job there in, in accomplishing those things. Yeah,
0: and then. Uh- getting to Santa Clara you start the, you start the third game of your career there mm-hmm. going playing against Washington and stuff what was that conversation like with the coach whenever he i guess put it put it on the chalkboard or whatever the case it's like worked starting yeah. how how was that how was that feeling
1: it's kind of by default actually um our starting point guard KJ uh Fagan uh who just finished up at San Diego State he got hurt and i want to say like the first half of our second game he broke his thumb and he tried to kind of play through it but obviously it's not the same and uh after he found out he broke his thumb, he had to get surgery. we kind of came the next day and coach uh, was like, you're the starting point guard. So it wasn't really too much of a deep conversation. It was just kind of by default. And it, for me, it was a little different because I didn't really play point guard like that Yeah, in my career. So it was definitely learning on the fly for sure.
0: Well, and then, you know, due to your court vision and I guess need, you were asked to play point guard that you know for, for that year. Uh, you know, you still average what, 4.2 assists per game with still a 1.2 assist to turnover ratio. What was that experience like doing, learning on the fly, like you said, playing the point guard position that year?
1: Yeah, it was a little different. I think the responsibilities of a point guard are definitely different than from what I was used to playing off the ball and kind of where my stuff was coming from was a little different than being on the wing because I had to figure out kind of my shots are now in different places. I got to look for different things kind of worry about getting people involved. And this is a whole bunch of other responsibilities <laughs> that, position that I kind of had to say appreciate a little bit more now uh, playing with other point guards in the past. so
0: Yeah, and I guess this past year, positionally, it kind of went a little bit more back to normal. Most notably, though, you shot 40% from three this year on four attempts per game. Uh, was this something, uh, was this a point of emphasis for you to get your shots, get back to normal, get things rolling in that kind of manner?
1: Uh, I mean, a little bit. I think just having playing point guard that first year and then coming back, knowing I was going to play point guard again, I kind of knew better where my shots were going to be at. So I was able to focus in a little more on those type of shots, just kind of get back to where I'm normally at because I've always shot 40-plus percent from three. So
0: Looking at it, I guess the big question I have is, what's what are some differences between Santa Clara, California, and Charlotte, North Carolina? <laughs>
1: There's a few. I mean, the the weather is always great out there for sure. uh. Um, is definitely a little bit more expensive in that area, but um, I I think there there's definitely pros and cons to, to each city. And uh, I like I like both of them to be honest with you. I can't really choose which one is better than the other. They're kind of just a little different.
0: What's the food situation like over there?
1: Uh, it's still it's still pretty good. I mean, we're, they have uh, some different restaurants that we have back here. So like they have In and Out instead of Cookout.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, let's, uh, they don't have, like, Waffle House or Zaxby's and stuff. They kind of have, like, Canes in Southern California. So, it's a little different, but it's still some of the same stuff.
0: I got you. So, you uh, decided to transfer after this past year and everything. Um, what – and when doing so, you became one of the biggest names in the market. Mm-hmm. What was that whole experience – well, not what is the experience like. What went into that decision for you to transfer?
1: Yeah, because I felt kind of after this year, I kind of sat down and I kind of looked at everything. I just felt – that Santa Clara wasn't necessarily the best situation for me anymore to really accomplish my goals, which is to play at the, the NBA level. And I just felt I wasn't going to be able to do that in that current situation. So I kind of sat down. I was able to come back home with kind of the virus and everything and sit and talk to my parents and kind of think it out a little bit and ultimately I came to the decision to leave.
0: You had tons of schools that came after you, big schools. Uh, Final four being Butler, Arizona, UNC, and Notre Dame. A lot of storylines within that question, a lot of questions there. I mean, it almost seems like it's an actual final four in college. Um, however, being in quarantine, how did you navigate through that process the second time around?
1: Yeah, so uh, it definitely went a little quicker just because you're not able to visit school. So I think for everybody, it was sped up a little bit. But I think on both sides, people did a pretty good job of trying to gather as much information as possible as we could through different like Zoom meetings or virtual tours they would send you and just trying to give you as much information as possible and make an informed decision.
0: And then what was it about Notre Dame that really drew you to to them?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the first time me and Coach Bray talked, we kind of hit it off. And uh, ever since then, we started building our relationship with him, Coach Humphrey, and the rest of the staff. And uh, they did a Zoom presentation like all the other schools. and. Um, after that, I kind of just had to sit back and really evaluate, kind of like their system and how it fit me, and then also academically, it's state of the uh, state of the art. So that's kind of really what went into that one.
0: Did uh? So obviously the first time around, you know, you had Virginia Tech had uh, offered, Clemson had offered, and stuff, but none of the North Carolina ACC schools had offered and stuff. Did that type of thing play a decision and you? going into an ACC school or anything like that? Did any of that play into
1: it at all? I mean, uh, not really. I mean, of course, kind of growing up in Charlotte, A C ACC country, it's always kind of a dream of mine to, to play in the ACC. And I had the opportunity the first time around. I just didn't think it was the best fit. And at uh, this time, it, it, it didn't really play a part that I wanted playing in the ACC. I just thought it was kind of, kind of the best fit for me and just happened to be in the ACC. And uh, my parents will be able to see me play a little bit more than out in California, being able to come back through those uh, area schools. So it, it was a win win. Uh, what are you hearing about
0: the one time transfer rule?
1: So, what I've heard is uh, it's going to be voted on here pretty soon, but it probably won't go into effect until next year.
0: I got you. And let's say it does go into effect. I know Trey Murphy going to Virginia said that he's going to probably redshirt regardless of that. Were they? If they're able to let people play, I mean, will that affect what you're doing or do you have a set plan going in? I
1: would say I'm similar to him right now and I would still probably register just to, we kind of have like a plan kind of set out for me and it kind of just works out better with that.
0: I got you. What's uh, what During this quarantine time, what's a typical day look like for you?
1: Uh, I kind of wake up, uh, have class usually in the morning and then uh, after I finish class, I'll do kind of a, of home workout kind of body weight stuff and stuff around the house and then i'll kind of do some some stuff outside i have a goal in my front yard so i'm able to do it a little bit but that's just what really, it is just class and then kind of work it after that and then at the end of the at, toward the end of the night play video games with my friends or something like that
0: what video game are you playing
1: uh right now i'm on Call of Duty a lot the kind of the new mode called Warzone. i've been i've been on that a lot
0: you putting in that work or are you still catching up on it
1: no, I've been playing, <laughs> playing a good amount. Me and uh, Devon actually play, play a pretty good amount together. So, I got you. Yeah.
0: I got you. What, um, for those of you who might not have ever seen you play before, how would you describe your game?
1: Yeah, um, I think of someone who really shoot the ball, uh, score the ball, and uh, just someone who can make plays for himself and others. And, uh, I think those are probably my two, two strongest uh, things on off the side of the ball. And I'm just really someone who doesn't like to lose, like competitive and just will do anything to win.
0: Absolutely. We like to kind of end up here asking rapid fire questions. It's going to be, you know, real quick, one, two word answers or whatever to the case, three of them at the end of the thing. Who is the best player ever, in your opinion, from North Carolina? Michael Jordan. Okay, so other than Michael Jordan.
1: Uh, Steph Curry.
0: I guess I probably should have prefaced that. Who's the best player in the last like 25 years? (laughs) (laughs) That would have been better. Um, What's your favorite cereal? Fruit Loops. If you had to delete all of your apps on your phone except for three, which three apps would you keep on your phone? Uh, Twitter,
1: TikTok, and Instagram.
0: Gotcha. Good deal, man. Anything that you want to leave, Trey Wirtz, Notre Dame, any fans with any words of wisdom? I'm really to, trying
1: to get up there. I know with kind of all the uncertainty re- regarding everything, a, little, a lot of people are kind of uneasy about it. But I'm just as anxious to kind of get up there as they are to see me play. So I'm, I'm really excited.
0: No question. I'm very excited about it too. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to be able to see you, you know, just like your dad said, you know, he gets to go to all the ACC games around this area and see you play a ton and stuff. I think you're going to have a lot of people uh, that do that same thing as well. So congratulations on everything. It's been very fun to watch you grow and where you're at now. Um, Thank you guys, everybody, for tuning in on the Absolute Basketball Experience with Jamie Shaw. For Trey Wertz, I'm Jamie. Thank you very much. Thank you. What is going on, everybody? It is Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Experience. And today's guest, we are talking to NCANT interim head coach Will Jones. Um, we talked to him about the season they had last year, the incoming class that NCANT has, and their mark within the state of North Carolina um, and their trajectory moving forward. It's a great talk, a very interesting story that he has. Um, but before we get into it, we ask that you please subscribe to this channel and go ahead and like this video. And if you enjoyed the conversation, please be sure to share it across your platforms as well. We would very much appreciate that. Uh, and in the comments below, we want to hear from you, the favorite North Carolina a and player that you've ever had. Please go ahead and let us know. Put it in the comments below. We want to know who your favorite is. But without further ado, here is NC a Interim Head Coach Will Jones on the Absolute Basketball Experience with Jamie Shaw. What is going on, everybody? It is Jamie Shaw here with the Absolute Basketball Experience. I am joined by North Carolina a and Interim Head Coach Will Jones. Will, how are you doing today? Doing good, man.
2: Doing good. A little rainy out there today, but, uh, you know, I guess we're inside, so that doesn't matter a whole
0: lot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, been inside a lot lately. I'm just looking for reasons to get outside these days.
2: Oh,
0: no question. <laughs> um, so, growing up, you grew up in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Pastor Stephen Furtick, Charlemagne the God, both also from Monk's Corner. Yeah. Uh, I'd say pretty successful people. Um, yeah, we, from, we, especially uh, from we, a small we, city.
2: We put but, we put some people out there in the atmosphere. You know, uh, <laughs> you know Charlemagne, Stephen. Uh, we all went to school together. Actually, me and Stephen Furtick, uh, we went to daycare together. So I, I've known him since I've been probably three, three years old, three or four years old. But yeah. uh, you know, small town, um, really a football town. Um, but uh, we've been able to uh, to put some some people uh, out there in basketball also. Um, Bruce Ellington, mm-hmm. uh, the latest the latest D one uh, who played football at South Carolina and uh, basketball at South Carolina also. That's in the NFL. So we, we we've got some we've got some accolades there in town.
0: No question, man. Uh, that, that, that's pretty neat. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh! Like I know people. That, that's cool. Um, <laughs> From, from there, you went on to play at South Carolina State where you graduated cum laude, um, member of the MEAC All Academic Team from 01 to 03. Uh, what was your time like in Orangeburg, South Carolina?
2: Man, uh, you know, coming coming from high school, uh, you know, played both sports, basketball and football, I was able to play for a really, really good coach, Jerry Brown, and, and won a championship in football. Actually, had a chance to win a couple in football, but we ended up winning one. So to have the opportunity to go to Orangeburg and uh, play for Cy Alexander, who had been winning a championship every other year in the MIAC. And the program was rolling at that point in time was, uh, was unbelievable. And so, um, you know, being a part of that culture, having a chance to play for him and learn under him um, in Orangeburg was unbelievable. And before coming to A&T,
0: uh, you, you coached all throughout the ranks, high school coach, D2, low major, mid-major. Uh, what piece of advice would you give a young coach Who's trying to break up break in and then also what would you, what advice would you give to a coach who's trying to move up
2: you know man um you haven't learned this business until you get fired and that's the first thing I'll say you, you haven't learned this profession this business until you get you know those papers that you know your last paycheck's coming in three weeks and so um you know having the opportunity to uh work at number of different institutions at a number of different levels um you have to be able to do the job where you are And, and a lot of people say that and it's kind of cliche but it it's what you have to do um if your goal is to be a head coach and i realize that everybody's goal isn't to be a head coach some guys just want to be great recruiters some guys want to be director ops i mean they're not interested in that and so if that's what you want to do, whatever you decide, you better become the best that you can be everywhere your stop is, you know, and uh, you, you have to really indulge yourself and really be good at what, what you want to do. Um, and from the moving up standpoint, you know, that's going to be relationship-based, relationship-based and, you know, making sure you you know, you know, keep yourself in a, in a remarkable situation where people like you and you're doing a good job and people revere your work and, you know, uh, those phone calls that start to come by your the people that you're close with your assistants that talk to their boss about you and so all of those things transpire to help you move up.
0: And uh, you came to A in 2016. Um, I guess before y'all came, they were in a down period. You and the staff came and went up, went, went, went a lot of gain, really well, and doing all that kind of stuff. What was it that you specifically and you as the staff saw in the in the program the potential? to turn things around, uh, you know, under Coach Joyner and what y'all did. What potentials did y'all see in in the program coming in?
2: Resources. Uh, Resources were there. Um, You know, I really compared it to being in the Big South, being in Atlantic 10, dealing with budgets there and just saying, hey, man, we have more resources than we had, you know, when I was at some other schools. And so at that point, it was about relationships, coaches that I've been in contact with, our staff has been in contact with and really going out there and getting a player um, that would allow us to uh, to take the program on an entire different level. And um, a lot of times it's about the people in the office, not necessarily um, what you have on campus, what your gym looks like, what your campus looks like. It's really about the people that sit in the chairs that allow you to uh, go out there and, and stretch and get players that allow you to come in and be successful. So we were able to use our relationships and leverage to get some good guys. And once we got a pretty good class that second year, which we had some guys sitting out, it became a lot more attractive to a lot of more guys.
0: No doubt. Um, In 2018, you were promoted up to associate head coach. Uh, This gave you uh, more responsibility in the recruiting, on-court teaching, the defensive coordinator, and all that kind of stuff. How did that experience over the last couple of years help you grow?
2: You know, man. Um, you know, people will tell you titles. Titles are for, for money. You know, you, you get a little, you, you get a little bit, boy. You check with the titles. Uh, you know, uh, but the experience goes back to, to to what you've done over the course of your career. And um, you know, uh, Jacksonville, uh, Cliff Warren really allowed me to stretch myself um, at Jacksonville and, and really start to hone my coaching coaching skills and really, you know, on-court coaching and, and doing a lot with defense and offense. And then um, coming here with, at A&T with, uh, with Coach Joyner, who uh, we started in the business together, uh, you know, uh, defense was what he needed, you know, me to take care of. And so I really focused on trying to make our defensive uh, strategies as best as we can do. And uh, it just comes with hard work. It comes with, you know, spending time and, um, you know, going different places, uh, you know, videos, uh, film work, you got to, you got to dive into it. And so, you know, that's something that I did, you know, when you get those opportunities, you got to capitalize.
0: And uh, past season, December 27th, you're named the interim head coach. Uh, You got, you got two days to soak that in because then all of a sudden you go up to Champaign, Illinois to take on Kofi Cockburn, Ayu Jusumu, uh, all these guys in the University of Illinois. Uh, What was your mindset like? I'm sure the world win, but what was your mindset like heading into that game?
2: You know, uh, once we got past, you know, the surprise, basically, uh, you know, at that point, you know, the job was to make sure these guys were prepared and, um, you know, comfortable to go on the road and and, and play well. And so I didn't want to, you know, clog their minds with a whole bunch of different things. So we just went down there and I told them I wanted them to play as fast as we could um, on on makes and misses, push the ball down the floor, everybody run, uh, you know, run. pitch pitch it up, see if we can get a wide-open shot. And um, we were able to do that, and actually it was a game. You know, it was a game for a while until they stretched it there in the last ten minutes. But, um, you know, I wanted the guys to embrace the running because I knew that that's what we were going to do going forward. And after
0: that Illinois game, you finished the season 14-4 and in the final 18 games um, as the head coach. Um, The team really seemed to gel during that time. How were things clicking during that time span?
2: Man, it was unbelievable. Um, You know, we were kind of going from, you know, more of a half-court team to an up-and-down team. And with the athletes that we have, you know, uh, they really embraced it, you know, with Cam at the point and uh, Quay and Tyler. uh, Those guys were getting getting their legs up under them. And, you know, some of the other guys that we had, um, you know, that were freshmen and sophomores and uh, forwards, they really bought in. And uh, we scored 123 points in our first game at home versus a 91. And, yes, yes, it was a 91. But to be able to score 123 points, it really kind of woke our guys up like, man, we can do this. We were just going 59 points a game, you know, two weeks ago. And then uh, we go on the road for our first two conference games and, uh, you know, score again in the high 80s and 90s and, and, and beat two teams by 30-plus points. And At that point, they really started to believe in our style and how we played, and it really just took off from there.
0: Um, in this class, A&T has two JUCO transfers coming in with Jeremy Robinson and Quentin Jones. You have NC State transfer Blake Harris coming in. And then uh, you sign... Uh, Matthews and Joiner out of high school. What can people expect out of this class coming in uh, this next year?
2: Man, just it's, uh, it's going to be very, very uh, exciting. More of the same. Um, I think this group's very talented. We got a core group of veterans coming back, and a um, very talented class coming in. And so, uh, you know, uh, the two JUCO transfers, um, you know, Quinton uh, being a uh, you know a six eight. Uh, stretch four uh, with a with a good body, uh, you know. Mullins had him rated at a you know a high major in the fall and a mid major plus his last report. Mm-hmm. So we were very very excited to get him. And Jeremy Robertson, being a you know, from Raleigh was on the West Coast for a year. A couple of people kind of forgot about him, and uh, you know uh, he had some really good schools after him, but wanted to get back to the East Coast. And we were lucky to get him. And so those two guys we expect to come in and have an immediate, um, immediate impact on our team. And then um, the freshmen will have to come in and, uh, and and earn some opportunities because at the guard spot we're, we're loaded. We got we have some veterans, and uh, we need them to just come in and buy into the culture. And um, if they do that, we have a chance to be as good as we've been over the last couple of years. Uh, the three names mentioned on the,
0: on the roster already, Cam and Tyler and Quay, they're all North Carolina guys. Three of these five guys in this class right now are North Carolina guys as well. Um, obviously, in the MiAC, it's an older league. Um, it's a stronger league and all that kind of stuff. But how important is it to this program to put a fence around their backyard in the state of North Carolina and, and and bring in some of the best talent North Carolina has to offer?
2: Well, going forward, you know, um, you know, this is the last class and that we recruited for the MEAC. Um, you know, uh, we're going to the Big South after this season. If we do get to play, hopefully we do get to play. <laughs> But, um, you know, uh, so recruiting now is really focused to a focus of philosophy as far as uh, what we need to get, you know, working in the Big South. And uh, a lot of four year guys and and really talented high school players um, go to a lot of those institutions. And so, North Carolina is, man, one of the most talented high school basketball states in the country. And so, we're going to do our job to be a, a very, very active staff recruiting in the state. Uh, and, and recruiting our share of guys to, uh, to, to represent our, our school in that league. And so uh, we're going to do it aggressively. Uh, we're going to build relationships uh, early. And uh, we're going to try to get kids on campus as early as we can and, and forge those relationships so that we can put those kids in jerseys going forward. And in the, in the mindset of the program, how,
0: what's the significance of moving to the Big South?
2: you know for 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 the uh for a and t uh the growth at the school, not just in basketball success but academically um you know a lot of great things going on um mm-hmm. athletically i mean almost in every sport we're competing at the top we're competing for championships in every level, and so I think our leadership decided that they wanted to try to continue to move the needle and um uh, you know the big south was uh one of a couple leagues that they looked at and a, a place that they wanted to start. I think they don't want to, you know, it's going to be a place that we're for a couple of years. And I think they, sites on, a, you know, another level, but they want to do it in the, the right progression and, uh, and, and allow budgets to be where they need to be and support to be what needs to be to continue to be successful. But I think uh, the Big South regionally, how the schools are mapped. I mean, it's definitely a perfect fit.
0: Uh, During this time, obviously, we're in quarantine. Uh, You know, people staying at home as much as possible kind of prevents face-to-face stuff with the team and everything. How are you and the team handling uh, this time of quarantine? And and kind of what does your day-to-day, week-to-week schedule look like?
2: You know, like every coach, man, right now, you know, you're still... We're still monitoring guys, making sure they're doing what they need to do academically, uh, making sure they're safe, making sure that they, they're not running into any issues back home because mom and dad kicked them out a couple of years ago. So <laughs> they're not used to being in the house with Bob and dad every day. So, uh, but, you know, just making sure they're getting what they need from a support standpoint from us. And then uh, we've started a series of leadership with our guys that we meet every Wednesday and talk about uh, the pillars of our program. And and what what we stand for, and have some conversations and interactions with our guys uh, going forward, because you know uh, we didn't get a chance to do that. You know, when I when I stepped in as interim coach, we we just were playing basketball. So now we're kind of going back and and trying to uh, you know define some things and um, talk about some things. But you know, uh, you got to allow this time to allow you to be better. And so right now, communicating like we're communicating on Zoom and interactive, it kind of gives the kids not, no avenue ever to, not to communicate. And so, you know, you're used to doing this now. Hopefully, going forward, it still is a tool that we use going forward.
0: Um, off of last year's team, you lose Ronald Jackson, that's a big loss, but you have a lot of stuff coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, coming off of this momentum, this run that you all had to end the year, uh, what can people expect off of next year's team? What can people expect from next year's team?
2: Man, I think the guys are very, very excited. Just like you said, to have as many guys as we have coming back. Um, you know, we talked about that yesterday in our meeting. Uh, the core group setting the standard. And uh, what does that mean? What, what does the standard mean? What's our standard? Um, You know, we're going to come out there and and try to build on this momentum um, on the court, in the classroom, in recruiting. Um, You know, we average almost 4,500 fans a game in conference play um, since um, starting in December. And so the atmosphere, the atmosphere that we we have at home is, is one of the best in the country. And um, we just want to continue to to make our fans and the the school and the students, we want to make them, um, you know, happy to come to the game to support them. And uh, we just want to continue to play good basketball. And that's what we're going to look forward to.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I guess in kind of wrapping things up here, we like to do a little rapid fire, ask you three quick questions, and you just give us whatever first answer pops into your mind with it. Um, What song is it that you can listen to all day long and not get tired of it?
2: Oh, man. Oh, man. It's young Jeezy. Whatever is Young Jeezy. That, that's what I listen to. Young Jeezy on game day. Young Jeezy. <laughs> I just let it play. I don't, even, I don't even know the name of songs. People that know the names of songs have too much time. I just, I, just <laughs> let, I just let the beat play. I say, oh, you know what? I know that song. I don't know the name of it, but I know that song. So <laughs> I don't say Young Jeezy.
0: I feel you. Uh, what would the title of your autobiography be? Interim. <clears throat> Interim.
2: And I think, you know, you know, interim, you know, this, this, posi- this position, this time, and I, I've said this now, I'm going to write a book, man. It's going to be called Interim because, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever written one of an interim coach that's taking over in the middle of the year and having to deal with X, Y, and Z. And so I think that's what the name of it will be Interim. And uh, what is your favorite fast
0: food restaurant and what is your go to meal there?
2: You know, Chick fil A is undefeated, man. I mean, I don't know what they put in that meat. I mean, it's something in that meat that they put in just make us come back for no reason. It just, I just want Chick-fil-A every day, you know what I mean? And so, a Chick-fil-A sandwich, it, it keeps me coming back.
0: I, I, can't, I can't hate on you for that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Their milkshakes are great, too. Oh, no doubt. I
2: can't what's drink your, too many your, of those. What's your go-to sauce at Chick-fil-A? You know, I'm a honey mustard guy at Chick-fil-A, man. Okay. okay. You know, I started with that you know, Polynesian sauce yeah. early. But um, uh, honey mustard kind of kind of won me back over over the last couple of years. I got you. And brought you
0: back home. My wife's a Polynesian. She likes the Polynesian. I like the uh, I like the
2: Chick-fil-A sauce. Yeah, the Chick-fil-A sauce is good, too. I mean, you know, <laughs> sometimes I, I don't care. You know, we, we get a lot of Chick-fil-A on road trips, and it's whatever mm-hmm. they put in my seat. So <laughs> whatever it, must, it tastes whatever good, the chicken. There. I don't care what sauce it is.
0: <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Oh, So, do you have any last words to the fans, to the NCAA and T fans and all that kind of stuff that they hear, that, uh, that, you know, any last thing to part them with?
2: You know, we have a lot of, you know, uh, fans, you know, at a that follow basketball in North Carolina. And so, you know, just, just know that, you know, your staff and uh, programs out here competing um, for the best players in the state. And uh, lucky to have a lot of really good teams, a lot of good coaches. Um, in the state, you know, and, you know, I just want to, you know, we're going to, we're going to jockey for position, you know, more than we have in the past. And I think it's going to be an exciting time for us.
0: Well, I want to thank you for joining me on here. It really means a lot that you're able to come on and spend some time,
2: uh, spend some time with us and talk with us Mm -hmm. and and
0: let us know about your vision and what you got going.
2: Definitely, man. Same thing to you, read some really good things about you guys and what you guys are doing here in the next couple of months, big time for the kids in North Carolina. You know, uh, bringing that attention to the state, man. And so uh, we appreciate all you guys do.
0: Absolutely. Uh, guys, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. For NCANT interim head coach Will Jones, I am Jamie Shaw on the Absolute Basketball Experience. We'll see you next time. And there you have it NCANT interim head coach Will Jones on the Absolute Basketball Experience with Jamie Shaw. Uh, really great talk, really uh, interesting uh, to hear his point of view uh, getting through. Uh, last season, and, and where, the, where the program is moving forward with some very positive uh, stuff uh, going on. Um, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to this channel. Please go ahead and like this video as well. And remember in the comments below, your favorite NCANT player of all time. Very interested to see some of the names that come across the timeline there. Um, until next time, I am
2: Jamie Shaw on the Absolute Basketball Experience for Will Jones. Thank you guys very much.